If you've heard many of my sermons, you've heard me quote from Fred Craddock in the past. Fred Craddock, I was not introduced to during my seminary time. It was when I did a year of study in Boston, and one of the professors there uh, was a big fan of Craddock. Uh, Craddock, a Methodist pastor known as a storyteller pastor. And, and you know, there's some, um, sometimes a little disrespect that goes with if you're a preacher who tells a lot of stories. But uh, I think Jesus told a lot of stories. And I think we are able to understand sometimes powerful theological meanings by illustrations that we could call stories. And sometimes they're parables and sometimes they're actual events. Craddock, I have shared this one before, but it goes with the text so well I have to. I don't think I've shared it in probably four years uh, because it's painful. Craddock was known uh, for giving, uh, as I said, he was on, he was on Emory University, Chancellor Uni uh, Seminary, uh, preaching professor in New Testament there. And he was uh, traveling, he said, through the South. He had driven all night to try to get to a place where he was going to present. And he said he was tired and um, thought, you know, better I should pull over, get some breakfast. You know, Don was just starting. If any of you have been there, you know what that's like. You know, you've stuck your head out the window so many times. I better pull over and get something to eat and get some more coffee in my system or something. So he said he pulled into a little diner, and he took a, a booth near the window where he could keep, kind of keep an eye on his car, as some of us are accustomed to doing. And he said not very long after that, he said uh, an African-American male came in, sat at the bar, uh, you know, the breakfast bar, and quickly uh, the manager started uh, chastising uh, this uh, black man. Uh, he said he treated him with uh, contempt. He had no respect. He called uh, him different names, and Craddock said, I sat there in my booth waiting for my food to come, thinking I should get up. I should go intervene and tell this you know, restaurant manager, how wrong he is. And, of course, I remind you, he was in the South, and this is probably an event about 40 years ago, 35 years ago. He said eventually the black man chucked down his coffee as fast as he could, and he almost literally ran to the door and sprinted to his car and drove away. And Craddock said, I finished my meal, never said anything to the... Uh, store manager or the man who took his money. He said, and as I walked out to my car, and I quote, he says, I didn't say anything. I quietly paid my bill. I'd left the diner and headed to my car. But as I walked through the parking lot, somewhere in the distance, I heard a rooster crow. The rooster loudly announced my denial, my betrayal, my shame, and my regret. He goes on, if you've read any of his works, he uses, as most preachers do, you get one powerful illustration, you'll tell it again. And he said he told that at a worship service, and he said after the church uh, service, there was a man standing in the back of the church, and he said he's vigorously shaking his hand. He said, oh, preacher, you hit that one out of the park. That was really good. He said, but what's all this stuff about a rooster? We know the business, the stuff about roosters, don't we? Jesus told Peter some stuff about a rooster. Peter couldn't hardly shake that reputation throughout the centuries, that rooster. 
But if you have your Bibles, I would like for us to look at these two or three last little verses of the 13th chapter of John, where Jesus tells, and I remind you the context where we were last week, he's told them he's going to leave. And this was not new. He had told them in John chapter 8, verse 21, I am leaving and you cannot go with me. So he's been repeating himself, just as parents repeat themselves to their children, trying to make sure they understand what's going to happen. And Peter hearing, finally, maybe he's acclimating, understanding that there is something terrible waiting for Jesus there in Jerusalem. He says, I want to go. In fact, I will lay down my life for you. And that's when Jesus tells him, your loyalty may or may not always be there. Let me uh, read for you, beginning at verse 36 of John 13. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And I I talked about that last week when parents leave, children want to know, where are you going? Can we come to? What are we going to do while you're gone? I said last week, you have to love one another. When will you be back? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And if you read any of the other gospel accounts, this is in all four of the gospels. The other disciples actually in Mark, they chime in with him. We'll die with you. Verse 38, Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So, let's pray as we consider what to do when the rooster crows. Father, as we look at this familiar passage, most of us have heard a sermon or two about Peter's projected failures. And then also, Lord, we've sadly throughout history remembered him as one who failed. We've forgotten the rest of the New Testament and the events of the Acts of the Apostles. And today, Lord, many of us have failed in many ways at one time or another. We have failed each other. We have failed our faith. We have failed in relationships. We have failed in finances. We've failed in business. We've failed in all types of things. But remind us that your son chose Peter. He was the one who would always speak out before the others. He loved Peter in spite of what he knew he would do, and he continued to love Peter until Peter finally was able to do what he said he would do. Help each one of us to get through our failures And help us to follow you in faith. This is our prayer, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. First point, forgetting failures. Simon Peter in church history has three symbols that represent him. A boat, a cross, typically an upside-down cross. Most uh, church traditions say that Peter was crucified upside down because he did not want to even be crucified the same way that his Lord was. And then the third thing, a rooster. A boat, a cross, and a rooster. 
how sad it is that he gets remembered for failure. Any of you ever be remembered for failures? You know, high schoolers, and this is, you didn't pay for this one. Here's an extra one for you. Uh, I graduated a long time ago. I just got an email from one of my buddies. He's in my, our hometown, and uh, Randy, he's at his high school reunion this, this weekend, his 50th. I'm not quite there yet, but he's at his 50th class reunion. He said, anything you need at home? I was, well, you know, no, other than the barbecue sandwiches that I love back there, but I don't think you can bring me one of those. But at reunions, when you get to go to those, any of you go to your high school reunions? Not the seniors. I mean, you haven't had one yet. Yeah. When you go to those, sometimes they'll look at you and go, weren't you the guy? Weren't you the gal? And when it comes to Cliff, weren't you the guy who got kicked out of high school your senior year? That's a sermon for another Sunday. <laughs> but I did graduate. How sad it is that Peter gets remembered for failure. Like Thomas, who gets remembered for doubting. We call Thomas Doubting Thomas. But he's the one who would say, let's go to Jerusalem and die with him. I alluded to in the prayer, the Acts of the Apostles. If you're familiar with the book of Acts at all, Acts 2, Peter preaches a sermon so powerful that 3,000 people come to know Jesus that day. In Acts 12, he's in chains. He's in, he's in prison. And through prayer and through God's miraculous intervention, the chains fall off and he gets out of prison. Church historians record that he was executed in 64 AD by Nero, the Roman emperor of the time. And we know from Scripture and from church history that Peter was able to get past the failure. He learned from it. He pressed on. Unlike Judas, who we talked about two or three weeks ago, who was intentional in his betrayal of Jesus, Peter failed and recovered. That's a lesson we can all learn from and all relate to. Whether it's an academic failure, man, some of these majors, Aaron, you're major, I just like, I, I'm cross-eyed, yeah. yeah I, I actually was an electrical engineering major for like a year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can still do two plus two. But there will be academic failures, hopefully none of ours, but there will be Professional failures, there will be friendship failures, there will be relationship failures, there will potentially be moral failures. Undoubtedly, we all have spiritual failures. But remember how lovingly Peter tells or is told by Jesus in John 21. You know, that's, I'm getting way ahead of the story of Peter, but he's the guy who's gone back to fishing. I read one commentator this week, I'd never thought about this. Who jumps out of the boat to go see Jesus when Jesus is on the shore? Peter. This commentator said, could it have been he jumped out of the boat and swam the other way? Because he was so afraid to be confronted with the one he claimed he would die for, but yet he would deny him. But we know the rest of that story. John 21, Jesus says, feed my sheep. He talks about taking care of him, and he says, follow me. And Peter does. 
And if you've ever been to Rome, you've probably been to St. Peter's Square, and you know the history of Peter and the Christian movement. You know, there's a story, preacher story, got to always be careful when I say preacher stories, of two Buddhist monks. I could make it two Baptist preachers. Let me just make it two Baptist. It sounds better, two Baptist preachers, right? I don't know if the punchline will work exactly, but let me see if I can do that. Two Baptist preachers are walking along, and they're out in the country, and, and it's rained just like it did last night here, and the stream is, is really you know, overflowing its banks. And there's a lady in a long dress standing, wanting to get to the other side. And she's afraid, one, to get her dress wet, and two, that she might get swept away with, with the, uh, you know, the current. So uh, the one preacher says to the other, how can we help you? She says, well, I'm trying to get to the other side. He said, well, here, climb up on my shoulders, and I'll carry you across. So as he carries her across, he sets her down, and the two Baptist preachers go on about their business. Later that night, while they're at their Baptist function, and everyone's confessing and testifying, the one says to the other one, i got a bone to pick with you. You know, we're not supposed to look at other women, nor touch other women, but you put that woman on your shoulders. You touched her, and you put her to the other side. And the one Baptist preacher said to the other Baptist preacher, he said, yes, and I left her there. And you're still looking at her and still carrying her in your heart. How many times are failures we carry along with us? We fail to forget them or be forgiven of them because that's what Christ wants to do for us. That's what he will do for you if you will only confess your sins. But we want to carry that baggage along the way. When you keep your failures in mind, you lose focus, you lose direction, and you impede your witness, you impede your ministry, you impede your life. Now, as I always do, I go on the YouTube thing of what can I think of, you know, because it's not my first time to read this passage or preach this passage, but how can I think of something different? And when you Google Peter, up jumped Peter Pan. Which Disney has just released a new movie, I guess, about two months ago in April, a new Peter Pan movie. I just want you to know, young people, Robin Williams and Peter Pan is the best. And Hook, you know, can't beat that, can't beat Robin Williams. But in this Peter Pan now, uh, you start Googling that, and then it comes out the Peter Pan syndrome. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Peter Pan syndrome is for adults who have never grown up. And here are some of their factors. I thought, well, maybe I'm guilty of it. They have trouble with accountability. They have trouble with long-term plans. They have trouble with personal growth. They have trouble with money. They have trouble making decisions. And they have trouble all the time so much that they're always in conflict. I said, well, if there is a Peter Pan syndrome, surely there's a Simon Peter syndrome. And there wasn't, so I made this one up. <laughs> Simon Peters that have that syndrome confess the trouble and take accountability for their actions. Simon Peter places his future in God's hands. Simon Peter grows into the person that God wants him to be. No longer the immature walk of faith, but walking in maturity with him. Simon Peter sees money as a gift from God and tries to become the best steward possible with it. Simon Peter follows Christ and the directions that his faith puts him in. Simon Peter learns from his conflicts and seeks Christ always as his mediator. Forget failures or forgetting your failures. Finally, following in faith. 
I came across Mark Scott this week. Mark Scott is now, I think, Professor Emeritus. He's, he's older than I am. He was a professor at Ozark Christian College there in Joplin, Missouri. And he tells the story that when he was in college, he lived with three of the grossest men he had ever met. Because the dormitories, so those of you getting ready to go off to college, you will be encounter if you live in the dorm, unless you find somebody that you already know, you're going to learn that they were not raised the same way you were. And they may or may not pick up after themselves, or perhaps if you didn't pick up at home, you may learn that they picked up at home, and there'll be conflict there. But Mark says that at this particular uh, juncture in his life, there was no room in the dormitory, so he and these three other guys rented a trailer. And he said they were the grossest men he'd ever met. And I thought about that. I, I rented an apartment uh, second year of college with three other men. I think I was the last guy they asked to, to get with them. And uh, rightly so, I shouldn't have. But uh, in any event, he said he was a Bible uh, major in college. And one of the professors had asked them to prepare their own parallel New Testaments. You know, where you would actually... What they did is they would go buy an a inexpensive New Testament, paper New Testament, and cut out the different sections like Jesus' birth and then paste in a notebook all the Jesus' birth narratives. And then if there's a Sermon on the Mount, you cut that out and you paste all the other ones. So you see the different Gospels laying side by side to include the resurrection account, you know, the crucifixion and the resurrection. And he said, I, I was always a type of student who liked to get things done early. I thought, man, I've never, I've never met anyone like that. Some of you are like that, I, I'm sure. Um, and he said, I got mine done. He said, I, I bought this special blue binder. Those of you remember those paper binders that had like the three holes in it and where you could put paper in it and they have like a paper. Some of you are like, you're close. Have any of you been to college? <laughs> any been to high school? Yeah, have you ever cut anything with a pair of round pointed scissors? But in any event, he has his all done. He said, I, I just had it done like three days in advance. I'm thinking, man, that was dangerous because I would have never done that. But in any event, he said he set it on the table in their little trailer. And he came back home that evening, and it was gone. He said, I tore that trailer apart looking for that notebook, all that work I'd put into it. He said, I could not find it. I eventually went to the professor and said, sir, I've had this prepared. It was not due for two more days. He said, I, I don't know where it is, and I can do another one. And the professor said, no, I'll be on the lookout for it. If somebody turns it in, I'll let you know. And, of course, as you can imagine, no one turned it in. And uh, the professor, um, he told him, he said, give me a failing grade. But he said, I, 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 if I find it or if I can do another one, I will. And he said a few days went by after the project was due, he said, and he came home, and on the table was his project, his little blue notebook. He said, so I turned it in, and the professor graded it, and he said, I got a, a grade for being late. But he said, it was always a, I never could figure out which one of the three guys did it. He said, 17 years later, he's speaking at a Bible conference, and one of the three men who lived with him came forward, and he's weeping. And he said, Mark, I... I I have to confess, I'm the one who took your notebook, and I turned it in with a different cover on it. Mark said, well, you know, that's 17 years ago. I let that go a long time ago. 
what do you need from me? And he said, the man is weeping gigantic crocodile tears. He said, please, please, please forgive me. He said, of course I forgive you. You know, we do crazy things. We, we should forget our failures, learn from them if we can, and press on. And he said, he gave me a gigantic hug, and he said he walked away after I let go of him. He kept saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, no rooster crowed at that moment, but if it had, it would have sounded a trumpet that would have announced faith in action. So today, as we consider roosters crowing, they can be failures of faith, or they could be that fanfare of a trumpet sounding of something wonderful that's just happened. When does the rooster crow in your life? Maybe it's when you get that phone call from your mother, and she asks you if you went to church today when you're in college, or when you've moved out of the house, and you know, in her quiet way, she is saying something to let you know that you are not living the faith that you once proclaimed. Maybe it's the sudden loss of a job or the birth of a child. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Or maybe it's a hymn that we sung here a few minutes ago or this praise song, Anastasia. I mean, maybe it's something like that, that the trumpets are going off in your ears and you are either thinking to yourself, I have failed him once again, or thank you, God, I'm here to sing your praises. Craddock's rooster crowing that morning announced to him his failure. And you could go limply away like he did, retreating to your car. Or you could find in yourself enough resolve that Peter was able to do to proclaim the good news of one who he saw come back from the dead and testify and proclaim it so that others would come to believe in him. Maybe the rooster crows through the voice of the stranger you sit next to on the airplane when they ask you something about your faith and you start stuttering and stumbling because you really don't want to have a Christian conversation with someone on an airplane or perhaps you feel incapable or untrained or not educated enough to share your faith. Maybe the rooster crows when the doctor says, I have some bad news for you. Sometimes the rooster undoubtedly will announce failure. But sometimes, by following in faith, by learning from our mistakes, the rooster will announce, well done, my good and faithful servant. In just a moment, we're going to share a meal. We'll have a brief time of invitation prior to that. And it's kind of like when mom says or dad says, hey, Dinner's on the table. This meal is your opportunity to proclaim you truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. Don't hear a rooster in your ear saying you really don't believe that. Let the rooster in your ear shout and proclaim to you, yes, I do. And thank you, God, for loving me and for forgiving me. What do you do when the rooster crows? Do an evaluation. See if it is that opportunity to change, to let go of something, to learn from that. Or see if it's that praise that you needed to hear, thank you, God, 
for steering me and taking me down the right path where I can always be an example and be a witness for your son, Jesus. Stand with me, please, we pray. Our Father, as we come now to a time of invitation, perhaps there's someone here who the rooster has crowed for, but it's because of our failures. And, and Lord, we continue to live in our failures. We won't let ourselves off the hook. But you have done so, and you want to do so. You want to forgive. You want to restore. You want to make a new creation in our lives, in our hearts. Father, if there's someone here right now that needs to come and listen to the voice of Jesus saying, I forgive you. I love you. Follow me. Let us walk like Peter walked in faith, following your son. Whatever decision there is, maybe there's someone who just wants to come to these steps and pray. Let them know that the doors of the church are open to do so. We'll give you all the praise and the glory, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.